This is Scott, host of the Unprocessed Knowledge Podcast and Black author. You could get all three of my books. My first book, Systematic Racism and Capitalism, Alliance of Oppression. My second book, Hypocrisy in America, The Veil of White Supremacy. And my third book, my first novel, Exodus 2035, all available on Amazon.com and Amazon Kindle. If you don't have a Kindle, you can download the Kindle app to your smartphone or tablet, and you can access those products. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Unprocessed Knowledge Podcast. We are here to discuss everything that's going on in the earth before we officially kick off the show. Everybody should be following me on Instagram at unprocessed underscore knowledge. And everybody should be following the network, the UNU network. You can follow us on Instagram, U-A-N-D-U underscore network. Not only can you go to the link tree and find this podcast, you can find the Separate the Two podcast, a Taste to Consider podcast, Three Stars, Two Bars podcast. The newest addition to the family, Kodashim, that podcast. I hope I'm saying that right. And more to come. Support the network. We got new content dropping damn near daily, all the time. Something that's going to entertain you, something that's going to educate you, something that's going to make you think. We got it all for you. Also, all of my work is available on Amazon.com, all three of my books check that out and if you want to drop something on that cash app as dollar sign uk pod now that we got the housekeeping out the way let's go ahead and let's kick off the show with a little sports talk to the locker room somebody dumps popcorn that's unnecessary that's unnecessary just throw the guy out he should be necessary it's understatement yeah but i'm just saying just ban the dude Right here, yeah, Russell's hot, as you would expect. You see, y'all guys always get mad when I tell you what NBA rule I would change. Which one is that? I think you should be able to go up in the stands and beat the hell out of one person per game. I should have expected it. Boston sports fans, finally back in their favorite game venues, excitedly revved up after more than a year of live events banned or restricted because of the pandemic. No re-entry cautiousness for most, it seemed. They enthusiastically demonstrated the yelling, cursing, and throwing behavior that has long been a staple of crowd conduct at Fenway Park and TD Garden. Probably why Celtics fan Cole Buckley felt completely comfortable tossing a water bottle at former Celtic, now Brooklyn Nets star Kyrie Irving. Don't call the same old normal the new normal. Surveillance video at the Garden showed the flying bottle narrowly missed Irving's head. During the game, fans booed and cursed when he took the floor, something he worried might happen when he spoke to reporters the week before. He said then he hoped he wouldn't be the subject of hostile cat calls and taunts. After the game and the bottle throwing, he talked about the underlying racism of the incident and added, just throwing things and treating people like they're in a human zoo, throwing stuff at people, saying things. This is not about one out-of-control fan, but about a pattern of behavior by numbers of mostly white fans targeting black athletes here in Boston and elsewhere. 
NBA player Russell Westbrook of the Washington Wizards was pelted with popcorn. Atlanta Hawks star Trey Young was spit on, and a fan in Washington, D.C.'s Capital One Arena rushed onto the basketball court during the game between the 76ers and the Wizards. A security guard tackled him before he could grab one of the players. Now, that's what really what these fans miss while these arenas was closed. During the COVIDs, they couldn't go to the games. You know, they, they couldn't get the full fan experience. Let me explain to you what the full fan experience is. Spitting on an NBA player, throwing water bottles at a, at a black NBA player's face. The parents of uh, John Morant, you know, they, they were they, they were cussed out and called all kinds of niggas. You know, his parents while, while, while he was playing. John Morant, star player for the Memphis Grizzlies. Oh, and, oh, and you got to call the NBA players all kinds of niggas while they on the court. You got to throw stuff at them. Call them niggas, call them porch monkeys, yell at them, cuss them out, hate them. That's the fan experience. That's what they miss. They miss getting so close to an NBA player, you got a black NBA player, you, you could spit on them. And yes, it's happening to the black NBA players. White people playing the NBA too, this ain't happening to them. Nobody's throwing anything at Luka Doncic. Nobody's cussing out uh, Nikola Jokic. No, nobody, nobody's throwing water bottles at his head. Do you know how much money you have to pay to get close enough <laughs> to spit on an NBA player? You got to pay a king's ransom for those seats. And that's really what they're paying for. They plan so they can get close enough so you can hear them call, call you all type of racial slurs so you can feel the spit. So they can get close enough to, to, to toss that water bottle right by your face. Kyrie Irving was right. This is something that's going on in not just the NBA, but for professional sports since when forever. This is always going on in professional sports. Right? Never forget, Jackie Robinson, he broke the color barrier in baseball, not because he was the best baseball player from the Negro League, but because Branch Wick Ricky, the, the white man that, that drafted him, said that he had the temperament not to fight back. Right. He was docile enough. He could take it. He could take being called all kinds of niggas and have all types of things thrown on him and being sped on. And he wouldn't do anything to the, to the to the white fans. That's that's why he was able to break the color barrier. Back in the 1980s, Marvin Hagler, he once fought a white man over in England. What was that white man's name? Alan Minter. That's right. This happened in 1980 over in Wembley Stadium. Marvelous Mar Marvin Hagler beat Alan Minter for the heavyweight championship. And the, it looked like a snowstorm. The crowd threw so much stuff in that ring. They threw so much stuff in there. He had to exit the ring within 30 seconds. He had he was <laughs> he had to literally flee for his life. They threw so many bottles and all types beer cans, all types of things. It, it was just a hailstorm of things being thrown at him. They call him all kinds of niggas. <laughs> and he had to flee the country and come back to America. But that's, you know, that's always been part of the fan experience in uh, professional sports. Let's not forget the malice in the palace. And let's not forget when someone threw something on Ron Artest and he ran into the stands and, and beat the hell out of one of those fans. His name was so toxic in the NBA after that. After years and years of being berated being by, by Caucasian fans. After years of being called names. 
Ron Artest got fed up that night. He ran somebody through something. He ran into the stands. He beat the hell out of a white man. And his name was so toxic in the NBA, he had to change his name to Meta World Peace. He had to change his name to Meta World Peace just to have a chance to get back into the NBA again. Not only did he have to change his name, he had to find the white man who he beat the hell out of, make him his best buddy, you know, become best friends with him, buy him all types of things. And I just act like, you know, because he's he's no longer Ron Artest. He's made a world peace now. He loves everybody. They should have a 10 foot bronze statue of Ron Artest beating the hell out of a white man in the Basketball Hall of Fame. That's what I call black self-respect. Now, black people are are no longer easily fooled. There's there's a certain level of consciousness that black people have about them nowadays. Right. There's a certain level of of a of wokeness we just ain't going for anything anymore you just can't tell black folks anything anymore so these nba players they speaking up they calling out these fans and they putting pressure on the nba to do something about the racism that's going on in these arenas for years that the nba has ignored and it used to be you know i got a little age on me back in the 90s black people would just be like well so what you know you're getting paid millions of dollars so what they call you a nigga? So what they throwing water bottles at your head? So what they spitting on you? So what they, you know, dumping popcorn and God knows what else on, you know, in your face? And saying God knows what else to, to, to your mom and dad sitting in the stands? Oh, so what? You getting paid millions of dollars? Just deal with it. Well, black people know we, we no longer just dealing with it, right? We standing up for ourselves. We being smarter than that. We're no longer just going to take the the abuse the terrorism from these white folks just because we happen to be a professional athlete and we show up to work just because you show up to work doesn't give anybody the right to terrorize you on your job that's called racial discrimination if you don't believe me try it when you go to work you'll be sitting in the hr office and you'll probably be looking for another place of employment two caucasian children down in florida 114 and 112 got in a 35 minute shootout with the cops Two children, allegedly. I don't know why they're saying oh, this story courtesy of NBC News, Florida. I don't know what they're saying allegedly because the kids did it. Two children, allegedly, there's that word again, ran away from a group home, broke into a home and used guns there to shoot at deputies. The 14-year-old was shot and wounded, but she's still alive. A 14-year-old girl was at a, fl- pardon me, guys. A 14-year-old Florida girl was at a hospital Wednesday recovering from gunshot wounds after she and another child broke into a home and found guns they used to shoot at deputies officials say the children 14 and 12 ran away from a group home in Volusia County on Tuesday before breaking into the home the sheriff's office said the 12 year old boy appeared in court on Thursday on a charge of armed burglary and attempted murder of law enforcement officers according to NBC News This is not identifying either of the children in the case due to the age. The state's juvenile justice office did not immediately respond to requests for comment from NBC News Thursday. Florida United Methodist Church, the home that fostered the children before they ran away, has placed a moratorium on its emergency shelter care program for the next 30 days, according to President and CEO Kitwana McTyler. So down in Florida, two white kids, a 14 year old girl and a 12 year old boy ran away from their foster home. 
they broke into a house and stole two guns. The 14 year old girl had a shotgun and the 12 year old boy had an AK-47. So they stole, they steal these guns. They locked and loaded. Someone calls the sheriff's office because, of course, these kids, they broke into this house. When the sheriff's office arrives, they start shooting at the cops. The 14 year old girl unloads the shotgun several times. And the 12 year old boy, he's shooting an AK-47 at the police. And they both were apprehended with no fatalities. After a 35 minute shootout with the police, the sheriff's did shoot the girl in the neck shoulder area. She is recovering. Her wound is non-fatal. After they shot her, the 12-year-old boy with the AK-47, he surrendered. When they contacted the father of the 14-year-old girl, the only thing he said was, I can't believe my daughter knows how to shoot a shotgun. I will say this. These two white children got in a shootout with the police for 35 minutes, and they started shooting at the police first. How many unarmed black people were murdered by the police and didn't even get 35 seconds? I mean, Tamir Rice didn't even get 35 seconds. Ahmaud Arbery, Philando Castillo, Sandra, uh, Renisha McBride, Sandra Blank. I mean, I, I could just the, the list goes on and on. Jacob Blake, the list goes on and on and on. How many unarmed black people? that were not breaking any laws who were not shooting at the police didn't even get 35 seconds these armed and dangerous <laughs> criminals who were trying to blow the cop's head off with an ak-47 and a shotgun they got 35 minutes and during the shootout the police they're trying to get them to comply they're trying to get them to put the guns down they're trying to get them to turn themselves in it's like i mean after they shot him so many times they had no choice but to shoot back now, this just proves that um, the police know how to use non-lethal force, um, if need be, to apprehend a suspect, a suspect that's armed and dangerous and white and <laughs> shooting at the cops. Right. They get apprehended. Think about all the black people, you know, besides the ones I just named and in, or including the ones I just named who are dead. Who got no time at all global system of white supremacy i would also like this to like to file this under the category of white people are not ignorant they seen two white children and they's like ooh, we just can't shoot them dead if these was two little black kids oh they would woo man they would have been dead within maybe five seconds not only would they have been dead within five seconds they will they would have um tried to find some way to charge the parents um, you know, why, why, why aren't you raising raising your kids? Why, why are they in the foster system? And then they break out the foster system, these little criminals, and they break into a home and steal weapons and trying to shoot cops and blue lives matter. And man, you black people, you have no respect for law enforcement, no respect for police and tax dollars. And they would have uh, brought up the parents uh, police record if they have one, um, if, if they, the parents have ever been arrested for anything, if they have any unpaid parking tickets, whatever the parents, whatever, whatever they may have done in their lives. That's been documented. You know, maybe they if they ever got suspended from school, if they ever got caught, you know, smoking marijuana or all that would be on display. You don't even know. They didn't even identify the parents of, of the children in, <laughs> in this case global system of white supremacy white people are not ignorant and here's another one these cops when they shoot and killing these black people they really not scared for their lives right that's a lot let's keep it going guys a lot to cover speaking of children 
a, a 29 year old Asian man shot a six year old black boy in Michigan for leaving his bike on his front lawn. This happened in Michigan. This six year old child was playing with his friends outside this Asian man's house. As he's playing with his friends, he puts his bike down in the man's yard and, and he runs off to play with his friends. He comes back to retrieve his bike and this 29 year old man comes at this six year old child with a sledgehammer. He tries to hit him with the sledgehammer, but the six year old boy is too fast. You know, he, he evades him. He runs around. He come back. He comes back later to get his bike. And then when he comes back to get his bike, the Asian man shoots the boy in the arm through his window shot a six-year-old child shooter shot a little boy he walks free making bond on tuesday it has this family angry and confused and i'm trying to figure out how he got a bond that was so low for trying to kill my kid arnold daniel trying to figure out why ryan lee Wen is out of jail after allegedly shooting his son kobe he tried to hit me with a sledgehammer but that's not gonna work because i'm too fast so then what did he do got a gun boom Show me right here. It's all on video Saturday afternoon on Candlewood Lane. You'll see kids playing, hear a gunshot, then Kobe realizes he's hit. allegedly fired through his front window. The bullet went in Kobe's arm and out the other side. Did it hurt? Yes. You point to it? Show us where it's at. Right now, he's not even processing exactly what happened. You know, he don't realize how close he came to not being here um but i realize it 29 year old lee wen is charged with assault with intent to murder he's apparently had issues with neighbors in the past and this time dad arnold suspects lee wen was mad kobe's bike was in his yard i'm irate really i mean i can't I can't function and I don't know what to do. A Washtenaw County judge gave him a $10,000 cash bond, which he made Tuesday. This is him walking out, picked up by family. The prosecutor's office shocked at the low bond. They're filing an emergency motion to get it changed. A judge's order not to return home, but it's a piece of paper, says Arnold. I'm scared for my family. You know, but I, I'm scared for them because I don't know what he's capable of. Reporting in Ypsilanti, Jessica Dupnack, Fox 2 News. So, so this guy shoots this six-year-old for leaving a bike in his front yard. And they keep, notice in both stories, the one I read from USA Today. No, I'm sorry, the one I read from NBC News and this uh, story from the local news up there in Detroit. They keep saying allegedly they did it. They did it. This Asian man, he did it. <laughs> you ain't no allegedly. It, it, it was him. He shoots this six-year-old boy. He gets apprehended, and he gets a $10,000 bail. If your bail is 10000 you only got to put up 10% of that. So he just had to put up $1,000. He went home the same day. I mean, there's people for nonviolent drug offenses who get bail 10 times that amount. Didn't harm anybody. You know, shouldn't be selling drugs, but 
if you out there just trying to make some money and you ain't hurting nobody, um, your bail was 10 times higher than this man who shot a six-year-old boy for leaving his bike on his front yard. Well, the outrage in the community was so great. The outrage from the people was, was so great. A big outrage online about this that the um, the local county had to re-arrest this man and raise his bail to $100,000 cash bond. So as far as I know, he he's still in there because uh, I don't think he has $100,000 cash. Well, hell, he might. But f- as far as I know, he's still in there. So he hasn't been able to post that $100,000 cash bond. And when is that? For those who know who, how the justice system works, $100,000 cash bond means you need to put down $100,000 in cash. If you ain't got $100,000 in the bank, you're not going anywhere. What judge gets this case, looks at what happened, and it's like, eh, eh, low bill, $10,000, you know, shot a nigger in the arm. <laughs> what'd he do? Oh, he left his tricycle in his, in his front yard, okay, and then he shot him, eh, you know, he's still alive, okay, he didn't die. All right, well, if he didn't die, I probably don't have to worry about Benjamin Crump and Al Sharpton and black lives matter rallies because you know he did the little boy didn't die he's alive so uh you know 10 g's whatever it's just a negro global system global system of white supremacy white people are not ignorant oh stop asian hate by the way the gentleman that does this he is an asian man so stop asian hate now if this six-year-old black boy would have did something to this asian man they probably would have charged his little ass with a hate crime but this Asian man can shoot this six, this six-year-old, and go home the same day. Let's talk about what happened down at Nelly Sports Bar in Washington D.C. A viral incident over this past weekend of a black woman being drugged out of Nelly Sports Bar in Washington D.C. by by her hair. Security grabbed this sister by her braids drug her down the stairs and threw her out the sports bar now nelly sports bar is a very well-known lgbtq bar in washington dc this is pride month but nelly sports bar has also had a history of being called out by lgb lgbtq patrons for their anti-black racist views and they have the owner has even been accused of being racist himself for those of you who don't know nelly sports bar is really a bar that was built to cater to lgbtq white men it's, it's it was designed to be a sports bar where lgbtq white men can gather and, and and socialize and congregate and be a meeting spot for them now if you don't live in on around in or around washington dc washington dc is uh one of the areas that has a I wouldn't say large, but it has a big enough population of non-black LGBTQ people. And basically the charge is the owner of this sports bar is being charged with with anti-black views and racism. This story is actually from three years ago. This story was published April 14th, 2018. This is an article from Tag Magazine. Tag Magazine is an LGBTQ online publication. It reads, and I quote, on March 30th, this is 2018, a controversial flag was spotted flying over Nelly Sports Bar in Washington, D.C., next to the rainbow and the country's colors. 
a thin blue line flag was displayed above the well-known gay bar. However, having been adopted by the Blue Lives Matter, a movement started in response in response to Black Lives Matter. This particular symbol represents fear, oppression, danger, and violence against people of color and the LGBTQ community to many in the United States. The response to its sighting was swift. In quotes, Nelly's sports bar is canceled. No justice, no pride. Posted on their Facebook page in the wake of the murder of Stephon Clark and non-indictment of the officers who killed Alton Sterling, they have the audacity to fly a flag that tells us they don't value black lives. The Post continues to talk about Kayla Moore, a black trans woman who was killed by Berkeley police officers and the judges ruling in favor of the city. In response to this, Nelly Sports Bar released a statement that says, and, and I quote, this weekend, all of us at Nelly's learned an extremely important lesson. At the end of the week, a group of LGBT police officers were meeting at Nelly's together in a welcoming space. And their official response to the community's outcry Nelly's official said, this happened to fall just as we were taking down our Irish flag for St. Patrick's Day, and we opted to welcome them with what we thought was just a flag that represents police. All right, well, that's a bunch of BS. <laughs> because non-white people within the LGBTQ community has called out Nelly Sports Bar and the owner of Nelly Sports Bar for anti-black views and anti-black racism for years. Now, why people, uh, LGBTQ people of color choose to flood this sports bar every chance they get and give them all their damn money, I have no idea. It's beyond me. I understand it's Pride Month. I understand you want to support an LGBTQ organization. At least pick one that ain't racist. It makes no sense to enrich the same people who are trying to destroy you, who don't like you and who <laughs> want you destroyed. I mean, that makes no sense at all. This reminds me of uh, speaking of stop Asian hate. Not too long ago, it was viral video after viral video after viral video of Asian men beating the hell out of black women. And they nail shops and they, and they carry out restaurants and they and they weave shops. And, you know, the next day, it, it you know, the nail shop was full of black women. Um throwing their feet in the air, trying to get their toes done, right? Not even giving a damn that less than 24 hours, this Asian man then mopped his floor with his sister's face and threw her out like a piece of garbage. I think I believe it was a story down in Alabama, not a story, it was a viral video down in Alabama with a man of a, of a, a Asian man who owned a hair shop, beat up a black woman, tossed him out of his establishment, you know, there was a lot of outrage, but less than a week later, he put weave on sale and that line was wrapped around the block. Sisters stood in line like they was going to Disney World so they can get, get that half off weave. Not giving a damn that this Asian man just beat the hell out of a sister, right? The weave ain't that damn important. Let's go down to Sesame Street. Hey, Louise. The deaths of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and others at the hands of police have elevated conversations about race and policing throughout the country. 
And when it comes to children, initiating and navigating how to talk about race can be complicated. To help with those conversations, Sesame Street is developing new resources, adding new Muppets to help teach children racial literacy and understanding. I recently spoke with Jeanette Betancourt and Kay Wilson-Stallings from Sesame Workshop on their approach to tackling difficult topics and about the two newest members of the Muppet family. Kay, this has been a tough year for parents on so many different levels, but one of them has been how to have conversations about race, about justice with children. When you were working on coming up with how these conversations could take place, what was going through your mind? You know, at Sesame Street, we've often tackled really tough topics and have always been a model for parents and caregivers on how to have those conversations. And, um, and when, you know, the events that happened last summer, culminating in the murder of George Floyd, we decided that we needed to have this tough topic, this tough conversation about race and racial justice. And as a company, we made that our goal and initiative to help parents and caregivers talk to children about racial justice. And, you know, we know that children from a very early age see differences. They see color differences in skin. They see eye shapes. They see, they hear language differences. And so to ignore it and to think that that's not something that kids are aware of is is really wrong. And, and, and at Sesame Street, we've always modeled multiculturalism and inclusiveness and diversity but we decided that we needed to do more than that and that we really needed to lean in and be explicit and bold in talking to children about racial justice Jeanette part of this includes two new Muppets tell us a little bit about them all right um look Bert and Ernie Big Bird Elmo the Cookie Monster Maybe they can talk about discrimination. Maybe they can talk about how hate is wrong. They are not going to be able to explain to your child systematic racism, white supremacy, what it is, how it works, how the system has oppressed and destroyed non-white people in this country for over 400 years and how it keeps going. Elmo's not going to be able to break that down. If you have children, especially if you have non-white children, you as a parent, you better explain that to your kids, right? Sit down, watch Sesame Street with them, and then explain to them what what does what did you just see? You know what 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 does that mean? You know, let's 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 break this thing down to to a level where you can understand. You are a black child, and this what can happen to you, right? You leave your bike in in the wrong neighbor's yard, you can get shot. Make sure they understand that. Yes, George Floyd can happen to you. Every every police officer is not friendly and helpful and going to be your friend. Quite a few of them might put a knee on your neck, throw you down in the ground, and uh, that would be the end of you. Let's not be silly, right? <laughs> Let's be very serious with serious topics. And these kids are going to have to understand what they are up against. And, uh, you know, the Count and Oscar the Grouch, they're not going to be able to convey that message. Juneteenth is upon us. June 19th. All right. This day commemorates the end of slavery in the United States. On June 19th, 1865, the Union Army 
Road in the Galveston, Texas, to formally announce the end of slavery two years after Abraham Lincoln passed the Emancipation Proclamation. Why did it take them two years? Well, because after the Emancipation Proclamation was passed, there were some slave owners in Texas that just didn't tell the slaves that they was free. So they held on to them as long as they could. Eventually, the Union Army rode in and was like, all right, all right y'all, y'all the last one. Slavery's over. This thing is officially over. And that day was June 19th, 1865. And that is the day that is celebrated as the official end of chattel slavery in the United States of America which is called Juneteenth. About an hour ago, the United States Senate unanimously passed a bill making Juneteenth a federal holiday. All right, this story courtesy of CNN, the Senate unanimously passed a resolution today establishing June 19th, Juneteenth, as a National Independence Day, a U.S. holiday commemorating the end of slavery in the united states maybe pretty soon we'll all get a paid holiday paid day off this has been the unprocessed knowledge podcast once again everybody follow the network of shows on instagram you and you underscore network everybody should be following me on instagram as well unprocessed underscore knowledge thanks for listening